From Phoenix to London. From L.A. to around the world. This is The Ticket. All sports, all the time, with your boys, former NFL Philadelphia Eagle, Ray Ellis, and Fan Man. Your number one fan-oriented sports talk leader, Voice America Sports. Yeah, it's that time again. It's that time again to talk some football. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Again, I am minus the number one co-host in the world, but that's okay because the show must go on. But as I promised earlier in the year, you know, I said, you know, there's a lot of loyal listeners out there and a, and a lot of fans. We, you know, Fan Man is uh, the number one fan and the number one co-host in the world, but I promised I'd let another one of our, you know, fans come in one day and do the show and... Uh, after I think it was after last week uh, announcing about those uh, Super Bowl tickets. By the way, guess what? You're going to the Super Bowl, and if you call in or if you uh, email me at uh, Ray Ellis at RayEllisSports.com, you will increase your opportunity and your chances to win those two tickets uh, to the Super Bowl. But we have a uh, special guest in the studio with us today another fan hey thanks ray it's good good to be here i'm glad that uh able to get in the studio and actually have a chance to talk with you well listen uh why don't you introduce yourself to everybody you, you don't want to be fan man too you no, i'm you not uh my name's ryan i actually uh engineer here at uh voice america sports um here in our phoenix office so that's what i do i make the show sound good on one end and uh our boys in san diego make it sound good on the other well, uh, you know, I always would, uh, would tease Ryan. I said, you know, man, listen, I, I got to get you on the show one day, man. You do a great job. You know, you're a great sports fan, and I uh, really appreciate your support. And, uh, and so Ryan's here with us today, and we're going to talk a little bit about Ryan has a favorite sport. I, it could be baseball. It could be basketball. It could be hockey. But he is a sports fan, and we know that this show mostly is about football. But there are some interesting things happening here in the Valley of the Sun, and that is the the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they eliminated somebody last night, didn't they? Yeah, last night uh, playing against Golden State. Uh, Golden State actually had to win their last two games of the season to make it into the playoffs, and uh, we knocked them out of the whole playoffs last night. Well, it, if I'm not mistaken, was a couple of people out with Golden State last night? Everybody played last night? What happened? You know, I'm, I wasn't really paying attention to the roster. I'm a fan more than I am pay attention to the roster, so I was just glad to watch the game. Um, I do know that on Phoenix Suns' side, we lost... Uh, uh, Grant Hill to a groin injury, so that definitely puts us in a bad place for the playoffs, but uh, I think we have a good enough bench that we'll be able to make up for him and be gone. Well, you know, I actually was watching part of that game, and one thing I will tell you about the master man, and that is Steve Nash, and, and, and Steve, when Grant went down and when he clutched his groin area and came to the bench, uh, right away I can see there was concern on the face of Steve Nash, and he went directly to him and tried to help him to the sidelines, and you know, one thing about this this young man, as I watch him play ball, I, I think he's a true leader. He's definitely a general out there on, on the court, uh, knows how to get the ball to the player in the right position in order for him to uh, to do the best he can to score. And uh, I think, Steve, there was a bit of concern on his face when he saw Grant Hill oh, was yeah, in definitely. trouble. Um, well, this is also actually the second time this happened to Grant this season. So uh, he just came back from that groin injury, I think, about three weeks ago. Uh, played a few games and then just re-injured the same groin injury. So, I mean, uh, looking at Steve Nash as one of our starters um, and then Grant Hill coming out of there, you just have to look at, you know, I have to go to the bench, man. I mean, we have a deep bench, so you got to look at that and uh, just hope that uh, the bench will be able to take the place of Grant. And uh, hopefully he won't be out for too long. Uh, maybe he'll be back in, you know, a couple weeks, get him back in the uh, first round of the playoffs, and hopefully we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I noticed that, uh, you know, Grant was, he started off the game pretty physical, too. I saw one time he was uh, driving to the hole and was pretty aggressive going in to, uh, to go over top of a, a defender, and, and, and I believe he was going to slam it. But, uh, you know, it was a foul called, but uh, he was starting to play aggressive uh, basketball. And uh, I, I think this team, you know, is, is, is a team that is, is built to win, to go deeper into the playoffs than we've, uh, we've gone before. And I certainly hope that, uh, that Grant's able to get himself back together. But that, that's a type of injury, and if, if it's a deep groin injury, uh, it's going to take some time for him to come back. And I believe it was a layup where he was trying to, yeah, he was trying to yeah. go in. Is there something and, that uh, you've ever had to deal with when you were playing football, having a groin injury like that? Yeah, it, it is. It is. And it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, it's when you try to – any type of lateral movement, any type of vertical movement, uh, it's just – it's extremely difficult. It, it's almost as if, you know, uh, you have the ability to uh, – you're, you're grounded. You can't do anything. You, you really cannot. You when know? you're playing basketball, being grounded ain't no good. No, not for, <laughs> not for this game where they played over the rim at, you know. Yeah. And so uh, – but anyway, so the, the Phoenix Suns are looking very good. Uh, I think the Lakers – did the Lakers play last night? Uh, you know what? I was really interested in the Suns game, but I know the Lakers are doing well. I think they're number two in the Western Conference, so uh, just behind uh, Dallas – or not Dallas, excuse me, the Spurs. Well, you know, one thing that's good about basketball here in the Valley, they're always in the hunt. Now, they haven't got a chance to uh, take it to that next level and actually bring home a championship. Yeah, the closest we got was back in the Barkley days. <laughs> yeah, and, and Charles is, uh, you know, he's still kind of aching for the disappointment of, you know, playing against Michael and those guys and not really bringing that uh, championship home. But, you know, he did the best he possibly could. But now, now you got Shaq Daddy. He's, that guy right there, he's one player that definitely brings a sense of toughness to our team that we've never had before. So just having him in the lineup is definitely something that's going to help us out. And he has his interior offense and defense is uh, the the best in the game. Uh, one of you know, top 50 players in the NBA. Shaq's up there, number three or four. So, yeah, I think Shaq. When you look at Shaq's play, particularly this time of his career, one thing that I have I have to give this man when I watch him play basketball is. He probably is the most composed player in terms of his temperament on the basketball court. I mean, it, it, I don't know if any other player with the pounding that he receives, it's obvious that they're not trying to block his shot. It's obvious that they're trying to do the hack-a-shack thing. But, you know, you talk about hard fouls, and I don't care how big a man is, that still man get, that he man feels gets pain. fouled harder than anybody in the NBA. And I've never really seen him go after somebody. Thank God he doesn't. <laughs> Tear your but head I've off. never That's really seen boy. him go after somebody. Yeah, but I, I just think that, you know, come on, guys. I understand he's big. I understand you got to grab him. But if in return, if Shaq were to foul people as hard as they foul him. He'd knock people out. Yeah, he'd knock them out. He'd yeah. And he'd probably get suspended. He'd get fined. You know, I don't really see anybody being able to stand in there and take the charge from him either, you know? <laughs> they don't, you know. And it, it is so funny. I saw one game the other day, and they were showing it on camera. Uh, they showed, I think, Rajah Bell. There was a ball he was trying to chase out of bounds, and he grabbed the ball, but it went towards the opposing team's bench or maybe even our bench. And, you know, everybody was cool. Nobody moved. They showed you when the same thing happened when Shaq went after the ball. The bench and it was like, you know, the Red Sea had parted. Everybody was gone, you know. But uh, I'd probably run away if a 320-pound 
throwing it, that 320-pound man was coming at me, too. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and he tried. He, I mean, believe it or not, he's kind of light on his feet. I mean, he has the ability to control his body as he's moving around. We think he's out of control, but I think he's got pretty good control. No, I do, too. I think actually coming into uh, Phoenix from Miami and having the, the training staff that we have as opposed to what Miami has, it's actually allowed him um, to recoup his hip injury a little bit better uh, being here in Phoenix. Uh, I think maybe just our, our, our doctors and our team is better than Miami was at that aspect, but you know I haven't ever seen Shaq in the last five years be as nimble as he has has been lately with the Phoenix Suns. So yes, yeah, certainly I think his career has been kind of rejuvenated. I think his emotionally he 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 wants to win. You know as as he ends his career, and I think he'll end his career here. You know I yeah. don't think he'll go any place. Can you think of a better place to retire no, than Phoenix? This, though? Hey, this is Paradise <laughs> Valley. You know you're this is this is it. So I, I we can just get our football team to stop thinking about that. Then we'll better well, be that's what I said. This is this is not. You don't come here to continue your playing career in a retirement mode. You come here to retire, yep. as I did, but. I'm still working, obviously, but but you don't come here and you're still playing ball. When you come here and you're still playing ball, you need to come here with a championship attitude, and, and Shaq has brought that championship Definitely. attitude here. And it's got everybody in the Valley really excited about uh, about basketball. But I, I want to talk a little bit about football, too, because it's, right. uh, it's time for us to get a little excited about football because it's uh, it's draft time, you know? Yeah, yeah it's, almost it's, coming up. What, let me ask you, one of the most memorable draft picks, if, if you could remember back, uh, uh, what was exciting since the years that you spent here in Arizona that you remember about football time and doing the draft and Arizona made a pick and everybody was excited about it, other than... Other than you're going to go with where I'm going to go, too. <laughs> I was going to say when Matt Liner came, but at the same time, uh, now that he's here, I'm, uh, I don't know if I'm as happy as I was when he was picked as I am you know, now. I'm, eh. Well, you know, when I came here last year, one thing about it, you know, I said, okay, I came up with this thing called Ray's Radar, and who was going to be under the radar? And I said, you know, I hate to say it, but listen, you're the quarterback, you know, and so as you go, the team goes, mm -hmm. and Matt was and still remains under the radar because I think for some people it's been somewhat disappointing in terms of what he's done for this team. Yeah, I mean, the injury also with his uh, collarbone didn't help out last year uh, with him getting into a better place to help the team out. Um, I definitely have to give it to Kurt Warner also for stepping in there. Man, he took some shots last year too, so I got to give it to him for stepping in there and doing what Matt couldn't do. But I'm really hoping that Matt will get his act together and actually come to play some ball this year. And if he can just uh, stay out of the news during the offseason, we'll probably be all right. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, and talking about him taking a couple shots, and, and that is Matt took a couple shots uh, and Kurt took a couple shots, and and uh, we would hope that they wouldn't have to take those shots. And, uh, you know, we did do some things to try to show up that line last year, and I think Levi Brown's got to step up too. Oh, that, I mean, that's a, a key person right there that needs to just step up and, and keep blocking, let us have some time to throw the ball and make something happen. Yeah, and I, I, if, if that doesn't happen, then we're not just going to keep Matt under the radar. You know, it is a team effort, and it's not all on the shoulders of the quarterback. But as I said, as a team goes, also does, as the quarterback goes, so does the team. And uh, Matt gets all the glory when he wins, and he gets all the blame when he loses. But the offensive line definitely has to do everything they possibly can. Levi was banged up a little bit last year. But as you look at the offensive side of the ball, uh, I think the Cardinals, were they got some weapons with the exception of, again, last year I came in, I was a little bit concerned about, you know, the running backs, you know, and we got J.J. Uh, Arrington and, you know, yep. we got Edge, uh, you know, but I think we need some improvement in the backfield. 
Yeah, we could definitely use a little bit of improvement. I think maybe a, a little bit more. I mean, Arrington's okay. Edge is, he's okay too. Edge isn't what Edge used to be a few years ago. Um, it would be nice if we could maybe recruit a little bit more powerful running back, a little bit younger guy that we could mold into a situation that will really work for us. Uh, but then you got to think, you know, we do have those wide receivers. Uh, we got Anquan Bolden, Fitzgerald, and those guys can definitely get it done on that end of the field. Well, looking across the league, I, I know, you know, for some reason or another, this name continues to surface, you know. And this is, you know, somebody who got themselves in trouble. And, and, and Pac-Man Jones, his name continues to surface. And I bring that up because I know on the defensive side of the ball, the Cardinals do need some help at corner, although I don't think they're going to consider bringing him in. And I don't really know, you know, what the head honcho is going to do in terms of the commissioner is going to do in terms of reinstating Pac-Man. But it seems like the Cowboys and the Patriots, you know, two teams that perhaps maybe could be certainly in the playoff hunt, maybe taking a look at him. I, I definitely agree that even without picking up uh, Pac-Man, both of those teams are definitely in the playoff hunt next year. Both had really good seasons, so um, you definitely have to look out for those two teams in the next year. Um, they're definitely going to be bringing it. I'm pretty sure the Pats are a little upset at their loss against uh, the Giants in the Super Bowl, so I could see them uh, bringing a little vendetta. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I, you know, they they look at that, and and we all know that the Patriots, you know, lost one of their cornerbacks to the Eagles, but also, uh, you know, I think Eli had a good passing game. You know, he had a good game. He was able to complete some passes, and uh, and known passing situations. That was that and, was that was the best game Eli played all season. Yeah, he you you have to give him credit, you know, and that's that's what a true, as they say, great football player has the ability that when it counts, when it's the most important, he has to make big plays. And he, and he oh, made big plays. Oh, he stepped up, definitely. He stepped up uh, and, and made some big plays. And speaking of big plays, there's, there's an, uh, another quarterback, uh, you know, that uh, Eli's very close to, and that's his brother. <laughs> and it turns out that uh, Peyton, they may be looking at a wide receiver at, in Indianapolis because of the fact that they're not sure what's happening with, with Marvin Harrison. Marvin's getting a little old. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 30s, I think he's like 36 years old. And uh, he, I think he has surgery this offseason, and they're not sure what's going to happen with him. Peyton may look for some receivers to come in, in this draft. Yeah, I would, I would expect them to definitely pull a couple of receivers in, maybe, maybe one, maybe two receivers. Um, you have to start down kind of on the low end with those guys and bring them in and kind of mold them into what you're doing. And, uh, I mean, a good place for any wide receiver to come out of college is definitely have Peyton Manning on your side. Yeah, well, you know, one thing about Peyton, he's a big, strong guy with a big, strong arm, and, uh, you know, he'd be the kind of quarterback that I certainly want to play for. But listen, uh, I hear that music means we're going to have to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network with Ryan. Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we'll be right back after these messages. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. I'm Joe Wood, president of Famous Footwear. We are a proud sponsor of March of Dines' premier walking event, March for Babies, formerly known as Walk America. More babies begin healthy lives because of March of Dimes research and programs. And with our support, we can do even more for families all over America. One day, all babies will be born healthy, but we have to walk to get there. Join the March for Babies. Sign up at marchforbabies.org. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you know that that that's definitely my favorite song of all the music that we go the intros and the outros i i do definitely want you to stay i want you to stay here listening to rail of sports on the voice america network mine is the number one co-host, but I've got Ryan with me, and Ryan... Hey, been, what's up, fans? How's it going? Man, I'm enjoying this. You know, I, I think, you know, I know Ryan's our engineer here, but I think Ryan's been moonlighting because Ryan's <laughs> doing a good job at this thing here, man. You know, we're talking a little bit about sports. We're talking a little bit about football, a little bit about basketball. We're talking about Pac-Man, but, but we were talking about uh, the big, strong quarterback, and that is uh, uh, Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, and that he may need some uh, some help and uh, you know he got a Buckeye last year you know he yeah. got Anthony Gonzalez in the first round last year and and Anthony made some big plays but uh, the big playmaker for him uh, Marvin Harrison is is aging and uh, it's it's interesting that I remember last year I was uh, in the habit of of acknowledging uh, Edge as a senior citizen and and Marvin is now moved into that category as a wide receiver 36 years old you know he is. He's getting old, man. He's getting very old, and, and they're gonna have to do something with him. I mean, he, he had to have surgery in the off season, and and I think they're gonna try to have you know try to find a, a wide receiver. So yeah, you know, looking at uh, there's a little little thing that comes out with the uh, NFL draft, the top 100 prospects, and looking down the list here, um, you got to look at maybe Malcolm Kelly from Oklahoma coming in, maybe doing a little bit, and. Uh, you know, a couple other wide receivers, Deshaun Jackson coming out of California. So those are a couple of receivers in the top 20 um, overall draft prospects. So we'll see what happens with those now, guys. Now, now, one thing about that guy that's coming out of Cal, uh, you know, he is one of those guys. He, he's he's the kind of receiver I like. He's not a real big guy. No, he's but, only 5'11", 170. Yeah, but he's quick, yeah, you know. And, 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 and for me, I, I, I've always been the type of person that if it's a wide receiver, Probably the biggest problem that you'd be concerned about a wide receiver in a football game is his his ability to get away from you, and particularly mm-hmm. when you're in when you when you want to get up and you want to jam him. You know, I had right. some, I played ball with some some of the two of the greatest cornerbacks. I think as a as a as a pair, they probably were the best pair of cornerbacks to ever play together. And I think that's Hanford Dixon and Frank Minifield. And when you look at those guys, they in particular, I always laugh about Chris Collinsworth because. They didn't let Chris off the ball too much. You know, it was kind of hard 
to get off a jam. And nowadays, that's what they want. They want what they call, you know, cover corners who can prevent people from getting off the ball. I believe we got our correspondent, Jeff, with us on the phone. Jeff, are you there? Hey, Ray, how's it going? Hey, all right, Jeff. Listen, man, I think Fan Man is really stretching this thing real far, man. I think he uh, negotiated a great deal, man, but... I think perhaps hey, maybe, vacation, Ray? <laughs> yeah, I, man, I don't know what it is because besides the great deal he negotiated, he must have got some extended vacation with it, too. So he's not with us. But we do have uh, one of our great engineers here, Ryan's with us, and Ryan's giving us a, a different perspective. But I, I was just talking a little bit about uh, those cornerbacks, man, their abilities to jam receivers and not uh, let them off the ball. And I know mm-hmm. that's one thing you guys up there in Philadelphia are concerned about is because you you need some wide receivers and we mentioned a kid out of California who's coming out uh, who's a junior uh, you know much about him uh, Deshaun Jackson yeah yeah well I know that he the Eagles are interested in him they had him in I believe last week for a workout uh, he's a type of guy that that uh, well he can help the Eagles two ways one um, you know as a wide receiver because they need one and and two really probably more than being a wide receiver as as a returner, a kick returner, punt returner, because this guy has electrifying moves in the open field, and uh, that's something that the Eagles have lacked for for quite a while. You know, since Brian Westbrook stopped returning punts and went to a full time running back, and they've really suffered. And field position is is a big part of the game that that's really worked against the Eagles a lot in the past three years. Well, um, Jeff, yeah, but, but just to real quick on that point that you were making though about jamming and getting off your blocks and being strong, that's that's where I, I, I feel that. Deshaun might struggle a little bit in the NFL. He's he's not a very strong guy. I don't even think he weighs more than 185 pounds. Uh, yeah, very quick. <laughs> but if they already have that in Kevin Curtis, they need a, a physical presence and uh, at, at you know to really help them in the red zone. And that's something that they don't have. And I don't think Deshaun really fills that that role that, that void. Yeah, I, well, I will agree with you. I think when you look at a big strong receiver, you're looking at the red zone. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember what I would call a big strong receiver, and 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 again. I, I guess I always, you know, those Buckeyes, I always want to call them, you know, great oh ball players. But, you know, all he did was catch touchdowns, you know, and, and Chris <laughs> Carter was a big, strong receiver, you know, just mm-hmm. throw it up and, and Chris could go up and, and snag it out of the air. Right. But I, but when you're in, you know, in the middle of the field and when you're trying to get down into, uh, as I think Coughlin's now start calling it the green zone, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I think it's important to have a guy who, when he lines up on the line of scrimmage, he's got all the confidence in the world that he doesn't care who you put in front of him, he's mm-hmm. not going to touch him. He's not going to be able to get a jam on him, you know. And I think, and then, and, and then again, if you put that guy in the slot where he's off the ball, then you mm-hmm. really get problems. But if, if you've already got a couple of those guys in Philadelphia, uh, my, my question would be, uh, are they really that good? Because if you have them, and then they catch the ball. Then what are they doing after they catch the ball? And, and right. I don't, I don't remember hearing much about guys, you know, catching those little short passes, making jukes, and 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 gone. Mm-hmm. And I understand Jerry Rice has said this guy's got that kind of ability, that kind of separation. Once he gets away from you, you know, he's gone. Well, uh, certainly. Hey, that's a great, that's a good person. I know he's been working very closely with Jerry Rice, and if Jerry Rice tells me he can play, then I'm, I'm kind of prone to believe that that he can play. Um, but as far as fitting that, that mold that you were talking about, the two guys that I hear of that, that really strike me as guys who are probably a little bit more of a physical presence and, and have that confidence as well are, uh, you know, the kid from Michigan State, uh, Devin Thomas. Sorry, he's not a Buckeye, Ray. We're going to have to go Michigan <laughs> State on this one. 
but uh, Devin Thomas and then the kid from Oklahoma, Malcolm Kelly, whose workout numbers aren't really good, you know, his, his 40 numbers and things, but he's one of the more physical guys in the draft, and I think the, the NFL scouts really liked, like him on tape because they see he gets the separation on tape, they don't, so that, that allows them to kind of ignore whatever he did at the combine or his pro day, and they see that he's a big, tall, you know, strong receiver. Well, Ryan just mentioned that he, he's a big, strong guy, too. Yeah, I mean, at, mm-hmm. six, at six three two ten, that's a, that's a pretty big guy. Yeah, Absolutely. you know, and, and, and what I've, I think I read somewhere where, where Anquan Bowden, you know, told, he was, I guess he was making a comment. His, his comment was, watch the tape. Mm-hmm. Don't pay attention to what's on paper. And what you believe what you see on tape. And I guess I would say, because even in my days, mm-hmm. you know, my time was a four six four, but I was playing corner, and they didn't think that that was the right time. But right. yet, and still, they found the right place for me. Mm-hmm. I agree with Anquan. If you watch a player and you see him on tape and he's good, believe what you see. He can't fake it on the field. If he's playing ball and he's good, that's okay. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I probably, if these guys are making plays, nah, I would, I would tend to believe, and 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 I, I tend to believe too, the competition they're playing against. If they're making plays against competition, I'd go with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I think Anquan was not a first round pick too. So he's a he's an interesting person to you know to obviously be come out and say hey it's not it's not about about your your times per se it's about you know what you do on, on the field. He was a second round pick I'm pretty sure because he, because he had a slow combine speed and um, the same thing with Chad Johnson who I believe was, was Chad Johnson not a first rounder if I'm correct right. Um, I'm not sure about Chad, but uh, Chad is a hell of a ball player. And I, I think Chad was a hell of a ball player even in, in college. Yeah, he right. Was, and you uh, know what I'm he saying. was in college, but I, I thought he was slipped out of the first round. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, he was a second-round draft pick uh, by the Bengals. So he, there's two guys who may have not, like, blazed it up at the combine, but then fell to the second round, but they're two of the probably best in the league. Well, I think when you look at uh, Chad, I think there was probably a, a question when it came to Chad because – if I'm not mistaken, Chad had a teammate, too, that kind of distracted your attention at the time, didn't he? I think that was not he and Steve Smith, weren't they teammates? Were they? No, Steve Smith went to Utah, did he not? Uh, I'm oh. pretty sure Steve Smith went to Utah. Okay, Chad had a hell of a wide receiver on the other side of the ball, and I'll find out who that is. Give me a little bit of time to do a little no. research. Actually, there. wasn't it T.J. Husmanzada? It might have been Husmanzada. I think they both went to uh, Oregon State. Yeah, it might have been Husmanzada. It might have been. You know, mm-hmm. going back to what you guys are talking about, about whether it looks good on paper, whether the times are right, and whether they do good on the field. I mean, you have to look at it from the aspect of, yeah, a guy can run down the field at a certain speed where there's nobody in front of him, but how does he do when you put somebody in front of him, which is the most important thing, I, I, mm-hmm. I would say, other than the time that you run. Well, so. you know, and, 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 and Ryan, just to give you another perspective about that, there, there are guys, and, I, and I, I tell this to young kids, I say, listen, it, it has to do with speed, it has to do with strength, but you don't find football coaches recruiting people from the weight room or from the track. No. Right. You know, we had a couple of those back in the 80s where they went out and got <laughs> the Wooly Galtz and a couple guys, and, and mm-hmm. then there was a couple other, Mandridge, you know. Yeah, it was like in high school when you, you know. expect the star track player to be able to be your running back. No, it's, it's, something, just, called, it's, it's something called a heart, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the, way, heart, Ray, the, the heart Smith, play. Go ahead. I'm sorry there. Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to let you know, Steve Smith and Chad Johnson were uh, college teammates in junior college, Santa Monica Junior College. I know it was someplace they played yeah, together. Yeah, before they went their, uh, their separate ways uh, after that. Yeah, your, your laptop just has a faster speed than mine. <laughs> <laughs> what do you but, mean laptop? This is all just from memory. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been hitting my head a few times, too. Hey, speaking of that, <laughs> yes. and, I, and I don't mean to go the wrong way with this, all, all due respect, but did you guys hear about Herschel Walker? I didn't know. Yeah, there's some issues with, with Herschel Walker, and I'm not going to say it has anything to do with him being hit in the head, 
but I think he's suffering from what we used to call multiple personalities. Oh, right. I did hear about that, right? Yeah. He's yeah, got multiple, not schizophrenia, uh, but yeah. yeah, multiple personalities. I mean, and yeah. it's a serious thing. Am I right? Did you hear that? I did. I did read that he was, Does I think he's either writing positions? a book about it or, or something <laughs> is coming out where he details his history with it. And, uh, I mean, and Herschel was the kind of guy, from what I heard and what I read, is that his ex-wife said he even put a gun to her head. Oh, that's wow. nice. Yeah, and but Herschel said that wasn't him. Uh, you know, that was one of the other personalities. That, that kind of reminds you of, um, uh, I think a couple of years ago, Oakland Raiders had an offensive lineman, Barrett Robbins, who I think missed the Super Bowl because the night before he was, oh, yeah. he was in a truck with a gun, and, he was, and people said they heard him saying strange things, and it was later that he was diagnosed or it came out that he had bipolar disorder and was on a lot of different medications and hadn't taken him his medications. Yeah, but the, the Herschel Walker one's a little bit more surprising because I, I remember when this came out, there were a few teammates who said they could they never knew. You know, you say it's either wife or girlfriend, you know, could tell because obviously he pulled a gun to her head, but there were other people who were completely, it was completely, un, it was a shock to them. It was undetected. It. Yeah. yeah. Is this something that happened to him just after his injury or is this something that was plaguing him prior to his injury? Well, he's actually been under doctor's care and examination for some time now and his mm -hmm. wife, his ex-wife, she certainly was aware of what went on, and and I believe now when you think back, and I think he said something about his parents. Now his dad said this is news to him. His dad said I I, I, right. I didn't know this. I didn't know this at all. And and I think uh, who was his uh, college coach when he was at uh, uh, when he was in college? Out, at when he was at Georgia. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. Uh, boy. Well, whoever it was, he also uh -huh. said that, you know, boy, he had no clue about it. But Herschel obviously is, uh, you know, suffering from something, and we hope whatever it is that he, he gets better. But uh, obviously you hear that music again, so that means we got to take another break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network, and uh, we'll be right back after this message. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Hey, long, long time. Here we go. 
If you love sports and like food, or like sports and love food, or are anywhere in between, Sports Bites might just become one of your favorite ways to spend your lunch break. Broadcasting Thursdays at 12 o'clock noon on the West Coast, it's Sports Bites with Chef Die, a delicious, enlightening, and entertaining mix of sports, food, and celebrity athletes. Yummy. Don't miss Sports Bites with Chef Die, Thursdays at noon on the Voice America Sports Channel. From the Super Bowl to the World Cup and every major sporting event in between, Front Row with Sports Travel Insider Robert Tuckman will take you on a private ride into the exclusive world of high-end sports travel. Tune in every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern as Robert interviews key event organizers as well as star athletes and celebrities who attend these events. That's Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports okay we're back that number you can call in to is 866-472-472-5788 again 866-472-5788 uh listen again i'm going to give you my email address it's Ray Ellis at Ray Ellis Sports, and you have an opportunity. Guess what? You're going to the Super Bowl. We are actually giving away. I was able to convince management here, uh, convincing two Super Bowl tickets. Oh, uh, we're boy. working with our uh, with our good friends from Razor Gator, and oh, nice. uh, yeah, Ryan. I know What's you're up, trying Tony? to <laughs> <laughs> trying to get those a uh, shout out there, huh, for those tickets. Hey, hey, uh, uh, Jeff, you're still with us, right? Here. I just got a, a, an email from um, one of our um, uh, listeners, and they're saying to me that uh, I'm going a little hard on um, Matt Liner. They thought perhaps maybe we might give Matt Liner a, a, another chance. He's only been in the league a couple of years. But uh, my response to that is you don't have that many years in the National Football League anymore. The coach isn't going to be there that long. And if the coach isn't there that long, and as a matter of fact, I think I felt a little bit of that. When Wiz and Hunt came in here, uh, even with Kurt Warner, it was because, listen, Kurt, that might have been their choice. But I kind of like the way you play ball. So what do you think? You think a quarterback coming into the league now? Because, you know, there is a quarterback who's, you know, high atop the list there. Uh, Matt Ryan, if he is the number one pick by the Dolphins or by anybody, you think he's going to get a long time to develop? Um, well, I kind of I think it depends on what organization takes him and, what the fan base and the culture of the, the team is around him. Uh, you know, certainly Eli Manning did not get a long time from the fans, but he was given all the patience in the world from Tom Coughlin and the Giants, and eventually it paid off, and he, he won a Super Bowl. So well, hold, it, it on, hold on, on, hold on there, Jeff. You said a long time. How long has Eli been in New York? This was his fourth year. Yeah, okay, four years, man. That You know, that's... Uh... You know, you say he wasn't given a long time, and that's that's what I'm arguing. You know, to the the person that sent me the email, I'm trying to say, listen, you have four years, and they were trying to run him out of New York. Well, I don't think that's Jermaine, the quarterback. How many top pit, number one picks do you know get more than four years to prove themselves? Oh, I agree with you. I've always been uh, one of those individuals where, particularly, it kills me in basketball. I don't know how you get a first round pick in basketball, and you mm-hmm. you designate that person as a pro, uh, as a project. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I remember unless, unless he comes straight from high school or and is seven foot tall and doesn't really have the refined skills yet. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, well, I wouldn't take him if he's not ready. You know, then don't take well, him. Well, you yeah, can't yeah. take him now. Again, if you have the the resources around you in which you're uh, you're available, you're allowed to pick a guy who's a project because you have enough talent and leadership. Then it's a good thing. But if you're expecting a guy who needs to be refined at so many different levels to be your franchise savior immediately, I think that that's a, a poor investment. Well, but, I, but with I, the NFL Ray, if if the average lifespan of an NFL player, you know, and that really varies by position in the first place, but let's say it's five or six years, then why is it unreasonable to expect someone to peak in year four? I mean, they should be out of the league, statistically speaking, after two years after that. Well, that's that, that's my point, I, and that's why I, I really don't, you know, that's his, last year was his second year, you know, this year is his, his third year, mm-hmm. and I, I think the jury's really still out on him. I mean, the guy has two Pro Bowl receivers, Ryan, you, you've seen him play. You, you think yeah. the jury's still out on him, or you think he should be out of here? You know, I, I like to give him the benefit of the doubt because I used to watch USC when he was playing. He did such good things over there. And I, I actually, honestly, I expected him to be able to walk in in his first couple of years and actually show us a little something. Uh, I know his injury kind of uh, detoured him from that. So bringing him back this year, this will be the tell-all year, this year. Okay, I'm going to stop. We're not going to uh, Matt Bash anymore because there's a, a, another guy that's coming out. His name is Matt, so it'll be Matt Matt. Bash, bash, you know, we're not going to do any more of that. But uh, there's something else that's going on. I, I'm sorry, guys. You know, maybe, and I'm not going to say that, Herschel. God bless you. But maybe I've been away a little while. But when in the heck did guys start sending these letters to GMs, you know, that have questionable character to let them know that they can write a decent letter and please accept my apology for doing whatever it is that, that you think that I've done wrong and I'm really a good guy? What the heck is this all about? Can you give me some, some insight on, on, on that, Jeff? Yeah, I can. Um, I believe the first case, you know, listen, I don't know. It could have happened in the 80s or 90s, but the first case that really brought the whole letter writing um, ordeal into prominence, I believe, was three years ago, I want to say. It was Luis Castillo. He was a defensive tackle uh, yeah, out yeah. of Northwestern, mm-hmm. and what he did was he had used steroids, just before the combine because he was coming off an injury. Uh, I believe he was tested and found to be a steroid u- user. And he wrote, he, and this was his agent's idea, of course. It's all about public relations and, and how your, you know, your perception is and how you want the rest of the league to, per- to perceive you. He wrote a letter to all the GMs of all 32 teams saying it was true. He did use steroids. He said why. He talked about his injury. And he also said, I believe, this is the important part, that he was willing to, he'd be willing to give back a portion of his signing bonus as an understanding that he had done something wrong and, and should be punished in some way and yada yada. So uh, I believe that one was the one that kind of really caught a lot of people's attention and now you've seen other guys do it to kind of, I guess, clear their name or make themselves look a little bit better after something goes wrong at either the Combine or a Pro Day or somewhere. I just say, don't do anything wrong in the first place. You don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, what do I do? <laughs> so, so now I show up at the Combine, you know, it's, it, it's already, you know, a used car sales thing going on here. They kick the tires <laughs> and everything, and now you got to have a resume and a cover letter with your resume, and then you follow <laughs> it up with another cover. Ah, oh, gosh, what's going on here, man? They're football players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, come on now. I, you know, this letter writing campaign, and you mentioned something that's very important here. The attorney wrote the letter. Come on, mm-hmm. guys. Come on. What? But here's I, the thing. I can't blame an athlete now for wanting to do that or even the system the way it is because if 
there wasn't so much stock put into the combine, which a lot of people will tell you is unnecessary anyway, then the athlete wouldn't have to force to defend why they did this at the combine or why they, why they said that or why that wasn't true. I mean, if it wasn't for so many combine warriors who suddenly get drafted in the first round and get paid millions despite not really having a good college career, then it wouldn't force the players to feel like they have to put so much stock into those, those uh, you know, the interviews or the, what they ran in the 40 or how they prepared. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Well, you know, it sounds to me, again, it's, it's another character issue, but I, I like the old-school scout that I read something here recently who questioned one of the players' ability to be uh, a team player. Mm-hmm. And you know what he said? He, he told the other guy, he said, you know what? Okay, I'll tell you what, just go to practice. And I, and I got to say, I'm an old school guy. I, I just mm-hmm. I talk to my son. And look at where he is when it comes to the drills. And I'll tell you how important that is. And I don't want to give SC any credit because I gave him some credit a couple weeks ago. But I remember a guy who came into the Ohio State University when Woody had just got fired. And he was a secondary coach. And he coaches for that team out west now. And his name was... Pete Carroll. And when Pete came in as, you know, our secondary coach, during our drills, we had a guy who, and I'm not going to mention his name because he's a friend of mine, but we had a guy who was a captain. But yet and still, what Pete didn't like is Pete didn't like that our captain was lagging behind in the drills. And he wasn't setting the tone. And he wasn't first in line. So Pete put somebody else who was going to set the tone and to get everybody fired up and, and have a good practice at the front of the lines. These are the kind of things that the scouts are looking at when they're making a determination on, player ters, on, on players and developing uh, a, opinion of this guy as a team guy, a me guy, or a character mm-hmm. guy. Not, he's not looking to see what kind of letter did the guy wrote to, you know, right. to the front office. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are small things that people think they don't mean a whole lot, but... When you're out there and you're watching, you know, people practice, you're watching them prepare, you're watching them get ready for a game in the heat of the summer and the cold of the winter when they don't want to do it. You know, you can really find out what kind of ball player you have in those type of situations. But this letter writing thing, I don't know. Do you think the combine should be eradicated? Well, the combine has turned into another revenue stream for the mm-hmm. NFL. That's all that is. I understand it, that. But do you think – Personally, you—I mean, you know—let's let's let's put that part aside because we know it's more about money now than anything. But do you believe it should be abolished? Do you think it serves any real purpose? Um, I, I think I think it I think it does. I mean, really, it does. I mean, when you look at it, if you truly go there and you look at mm-hmm. the football drills that they're doing, you know, I, I think you can get an opportunity, perhaps maybe. Take a look at somebody that uh, you can really find out if he's got real good footwork. You can find out if a person's got real good agility. Uh, I think the best thing to do, though, uh, is, is watch a guy play football. Yeah, I you know? agree. I, I, think I think that's the, the best thing. helps the small school out more who, than the big school. Yeah, player. that person who, who's not being seen. I think those are the guys that should have mm-hmm. the opportunity to go to a combine. If you've been on national TV for four years... I don't think you should have that. I, I don't, those are the wrong guys that are at the combine. You've seen them play football on TV all the time. Mm-hmm. Get, get the small guy a chance. Give him an opportunity. I think there'd be more small guys uh, playing. What do you think about that, Ryan? I mean, I think the combine, it, it is a good thing to be able to showcase some of the football players and what their uh, abilities are and what they can do. And, uh, I mean, it, it is a good thing. But at the same time, you're right. You've got to give the small guy a chance. And if you've been on national TV for the past four years doing your, uh, your college career, everybody already knows who you are. They've seen you play. Give somebody else the opportunity to show what they're made of.
Hey, I tell you, Ryan has been moonlighting, guys. You can say what you want to say, but this guy's been moonlighting. But listen. Good analysis. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, he's good, man. He, he's going to be back with us again. Worried, don't you, Ray? <laughs> hey, fair man, you better, you better watch out. <laughs> listen, you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice of America Network. There's music, so there's a break. We'll be back after the break. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Wake up and chat. He'll get you right back to your head. JackLavane.com presents Jack Lavane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine Lavane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris Lavane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack Lavane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Take a look inside the country's fastest-growing professional sports organization. Join Robbie Kendall for Inside the ABA on the Voice America Sports Channel. The show will feature weekly interviews with the owners, players, coaches, and influential league executives. Tune in and be a part of the fastest-growing sports organization in the world. You can hear Inside the ABA every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Hey, what's up, football fans and sports fans? This is Ryan. I'm filling in for Fan Man. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And uh, we're here with Jeff, uh, our Philadelphia correspondent, going over a few things, talking about a little bit of the combine action that's been going down with the NFL. And, uh, Jeff, you still with us? Yeah, I'm here. All right, cool. So I'm just glad to have you on. Uh, so, Ray, let's get back to talking about a little bit about the combine and talk about some guys that have heart. What do you think about that? I am talking about you doing this moonlighting thing, guys. I mean, I, wow. Okay, fan man. Hey, you there? You hear us? Okay, <laughs> your job's in jeopardy. I like it, right? You got them driving the boat even. That's oh, hey, man, whatever they can, you know, whatever you can do. That's Dick Vermeule used to say. The more you can do, the longer you can stay. So think about that. But, yeah, heart, man. You know, now that we think about heart, 
I feel so sorry for this guy because he played for a school up north. But by the way, uh, you know, you know, Hart out of Michigan. Is there a chance that uh, we hear that he may <laughs> not be drafted? Is that I mean, here's a kid who played his heart out, and here's a kid where you watch him on film is playing very good football. But I understand the word is now that uh, I think Mike Hart has dropped real, real, real low, almost out of the draft pitcher period. Jeff, you hear anything about that? Well, you know, I have. And then the, the only thing I could say is that, you know, at the combine he ran a very, very slow 40. I, I, I believe it was in the four sevens. It was, it was a very disappointing 40. But everybody already knows that speed is not his forte. He's supposedly a guy who will get you the grind out yards, and he doesn't fumble. He's, he's very good at protecting the ball except that in the biggest game he played against Florida, the bowl game, he fumbled twice. So uh, there isn't really one thing that this guy does that's spectacular. And, and then I think that what happens is a guy who then becomes kind of run-of-the-mill based on physical attributes uh, kind of gets lumped into that dime-a-dozen category, and you just you see them sink and sink and sink. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be very surprised if Mike Hart was not drafted, but I, it wouldn't shock me if, if he was a sixth or seventh-round guy. Well, I think uh, it's a, it's, I'm sorry. It's a deep, deep class for running backs, especially junior running backs. So the more you have those juniors who came in and kind of you know like the Felix Joneses and stealing those those high spots, the lower and lower you saw the less impressive guys drop. Well, I, I, I've always been of the opinion that I think that your your last pick is just as equally important as your first pick because you put so much time and effort into that first pick and then mm-hmm. it's your last one too. I mean, like anything that we do in life, you know, oh, guys, this is the last one. We, we want to try to do good with this, this last mm-hmm. opportunity. But, I, you know, I, I will say this about Mike Hart, and I believe that he is somebody that's at least worth that last pick to take a chance on. But if there's anybody in the league I look at that re- resembles him a little bit, but I don't think Mike is cut of the same mold is, you know, Maurice James Drew. Am I saying that right? You know, Maurice Jones Drew. Maurice, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that's as close as I can see to a Mike Hart. But but that kid is a, a, a very, very, very good football player. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, if I didn't get Mike Hart, if I passed him over, um, you know, I could say, oh, well, look at him and look what he's look what he's done in Michigan. That yeah, He's had some good games in Michigan. He hasn't fumbled the ball. But he's not a game breaker. He's somebody where right. you, you got to have a big, strong offensive line that's going to open some holes. But I don't see him as a game breaker. You know what? You got to think you, you about know. some other things too. Like, what else does he bring to the team besides just you know his ability to play the game? I mean, when you have somebody with that much heart, they also bring you know um, a sense of urgency and a sense of uh, you know you know somebody that the, the rest of the players can look up to and say, hey, you know this guy really has heart. He may not be the best player on the on the on the field here, but at least he tries harder than all of us. You know, and that's another thing that uh, someone like that could bring to a team he yep. may not be the first string guy but at least he's out there showing it what you know showing all he's got yeah well you're right those are some of those intangibles that they talk about that they look for players you know characters leadership and things like that and that's good you you want to have those intangibles but you want those to be with a great football player you know because sure, he, sure. The, the other guy who doesn't have that he probably never gets that chance but right. you know you want your leaders to demonstrate that because after all they are the leaders they are the superstars and you want them to be more team players more team oriented and, uh, you know, supportive of the coach's agenda as opposed to their own agenda. So in that case, you know, Mike was good for a college program. He was very good, right. particularly for a program, you mm-hmm. know, like that school up north. But uh, uh, <laughs> I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with him. But you he's certainly what, Ray, somebody's yeah, got he heart. strikes me as the type of guy who will uh, – he will wind up on an NFL roster. He may not get drafted, but he will wind up on an NFL roster. And he is the kind of guy – 
who will have to be able to prove himself on special teams. I was just going to say that, Jeff. John, you because tell me. He's a, you know, he's a, he comes from Michigan, a good program. Sorry, I had to name it. Um, he's a solid <laughs> fundamental guy. He will play special teams, and then what happens is a couple injuries here and there in the, in the running back core, and then, bam, all of a sudden a guy who was really thought of as just a special teams guy gets his shot to start, and the one person who I can think of that comes to mind is uh, Penn Stater Kenny Watson, who was a special teams guy, not really uh, you know, a numbers guy, stats guy, but played for Cincinnati. Rudy Johnson went down. Their backup went down. Kenny Watson came in, got his chance after a few years, and really, you know, I think he put together a couple hundred-yard games, and now he's considered one of their top backs. Well, you know, the only thing I would say about that is I would agree with you with the exception of this. When you look at a special teams player, a special mm-hmm. teams player has to be a real aggressive guy. And right. not to say that Mike's not an aggressive guy, but Mike doesn't fit the mode of a special mm-hmm. teams player. I mean, he's not going to be a punt returner. Right. Okay. He's not going to be, you know, in terms of the kickoff returns, he's not going to be the deep guy. No. You know, he can't, he's going to have to be the block guy or, or a tackle guy. You know, he's going to have oh, to Oh, gosh, be, but we're not going to keep a roster, you know, a, a spot on a roster just for that, Jeff. But one thing, let me say this, since we're talking about this now, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not going to be a gunner. Let me give you an idea. I, I just I just want to throw this out This <laughs> When I was a rookie, guys, guess who was the gunner? The gunner's a guy when it's a punt that's out, you know, spread out wide, running down. Mm-hmm. Guess who the gunner for the Giants was? When you were a rookie? Yes. Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> I mean, like, wait a second, man. A wide receiver or a defensive back is supposed to be out here. They put Lawrence Taylor out there as a gunner. And Richie Blackmore didn't let him get down the field. <laughs> I'm glad Richie didn't let him get down the field because I was like, whoa, man, get out the way. But, I, you know, but, okay. Can you we imagine met- the fear in a returner's eyes watching Lawrence Taylor having a whole <laughs> field of football to run to get at him? Oh, man, my you- Lord. <laughs> You think oh I'm hey, hey, you think I'm lying? I got a picture of us, you know, trying to jam him up, and I let Richie get Richie. You get him, and so I, you know, I catch him after he gets past him, man. Nah, I wouldn't. Mess <laughs> like a LT, train. you can just go ahead, man. Just make the tackle, I, I, Wally. Look out, Wally. You know, I'm telling Wally Henry, look out, look out. You know, hey, you know what? And that's another trivia question. Now, you know, before the game was over, I mean, before the game even started, and that playoff game, that wild card game, it was twenty-one nothing. You know, Wally Henry fumbled a couple times. Nobody remembers that the gunner coming down was Lawrence Taylor. When you you fumble too. Oh my! I would give the ball to Lawrence. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a playoff game, man. And Lawrence Taylor's a gunner, and you you wonder why the but your punt returner, who's only five nine, you know, one hundred eighty five pounds, fumbled three times, man, because Richie didn't get his blocks, you know, because it wasn't me. But but anyway, listen. Uh, anything changing down there in Miami, Jeff? You hear anything about what they're going to do with that number one pick? Is, is, are they trying to get a little creative down there? Um, uh, well, it looks like they're in negotiations with the Longs right now. I believe I've seen reports that they're negotiating with Chris Long and Jake Long. So um, I'm not quite sure if there's a deadline or what the deal is, but um, it looks like they've decided that one of those two guys, either the lineman or the, uh, the, um, uh, the defensive end, will be their pick. Well, okay, so if they were to play around with that pick and they, and they somehow found themselves still in the top five, you still think they could get the player? If they, I mean, if it was the long, wouldn't he still be there, either one of those guys? Um, I mean, you got, you got Miami, you got the Rams, you got the Falcons, you got the Raiders, and then you got, you know, Herman sitting there at number five, Kansas City. I don't see them going. Are you asking me, will they slip past them? Uh, yeah, I don't think – I mean, well, he could slip past them. I mean, if they need – Atlanta certainly could uh, could use that number one pick. Yeah, I don't, oh, absolutely. I mean, know, Atlanta's got a, a number of areas they need to address, but they may not let the quarterback slide if, if Matt Ryan goes there. So 
Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, you're hearing a lot about Vernon Golson being uh, all of a sudden a top three or four pick and then maybe not being a little overrated. I mean, it, it seems to me it's going to be a little bit of a trickle-down effect. Uh, whoever the Dolphins wind up signing and then drafting number one, everybody else will kind of have to adjust their draft board around that. All right. Hey, listen, we're, we got some music there, so that means uh, we got to go. But I, I don't like you saying overrated and Buckeyes in the same sentence. We got <laughs> well, we to change a little bit of that. Film doesn't lie, Ray. Listen, Ryan, we appreciate your time. As Thanks always, me, Jeff, we appreciate you. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. Mine is the number one co-host in the world, but he'll be back next week. But as always, I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.